And I see in this passage just five qualities of an abandoned heart. And I want to go through these qualities as we move through this story uh, this morning. So let's pick it up in, uh, in verse 36. And it says, Now one of the Pharisees... Uh, was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And it's really kind of funny because Jesus was just saying, you know, you guys say that I'm a friend of sinners, and I go and I spend time with drunkards. And now this Pharisee is asking him, wait, okay, Jesus, now you come to my house. You come, you come here. It says in verse 37, And there was a woman, a woman in the city who was a sinner, now the, the, now, the meaning sinner uh, is not just sinner, but it's, uh, you know, it, it really has the connotation of harlot. And when, and when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with her, the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now, it's interesting that, wow, this, she, she comes and she's just pouring out her love onto or, or making this act on Jesus and just loving on him with everything that she has. But we don't have really the backstory. All that we have is, well, she was a sinner. But why would this woman come to Jesus and do such a thing, correct? You know, why, why is she acting in this way? What is she doing? Well, I, I believe that there had been an encounter, and actually Jesus gives explanation of this later, that, that certainly, certainly it was coming from love, but she was touched by Christ. She was touched by Jesus in such a way that she had to come and be with him and lavish her love on him. So love came from somewhere. And in fact, Peter would say before the Gentiles when he was talking about Jesus, that Jesus was a man anointed by the Holy Spirit who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That Jesus went about pouring out the love of God in his life and touching Everyone who was oppressed, everyone who was hurting. Jesus said, for this reason I have come, for this reason I have been anointed, that I might heal the brokenhearted, that I might save those who are crushed in spirit, that I would work in all of these lives. And Jesus went about doing all of this and pouring out the love of God, and this woman caught this love. How do we love? Well, we love because what? Because John says we love because he first loved us. Because he first touched us with his love. And we received that love and we were undone by that love. We came and we loved back. And so this lady, this woman comes because love has been stirred on the inside of her. She has been touched by Jesus' love. And so she comes and she pours her love onto Jesus, which is the first quality is love has to be expressed. Right? 
Love is expressed. Jesus expressed love in his life. The love of the Father was Jesus was the exact representation of the Father on the earth. He expressed the love of God. And now she catches this love expressed, and she brings that love back to Jesus and pours it back out. That love can't just stay still. It has to have some action to it, doesn't it? For it to mean something, it has to have some kind of action. (laughs) When I think about uh, you know, being married af- after 33 years. Thank you. 1988, yes. 33 years. Um, you know, do you think that my wife still likes me to act in ways that she can receive my love? Right? Does she still like to see the tangible examples that, hey, I do love her? She, I know she enjoys that I hold her hand, right? I know that she enjoys hugs. I know that she enjoys laughing together. I know that she enjoys uh, having fun. I know that she enjoys, I think this is one of the sixth love languages. Maybe Gary Chapman didn't, con- didn't talk about this one. But Chinese food is a love language. <laughs> and I prove it right here. That my wife knows that I love her when I get her Chinese food. But when we are married... You know, it's not just a once-for-all covenant that we just said, okay, now this is it. I told you I love you and we're good. Now we just go along. It's a living covenant, isn't it? Jesus has shown us that. It's a living covenant. And it's a covenant that I enter into every single day with how I choose to love my wife. And I'm thankful that she loves me. She makes me a sandwich. My love language. I receive that sandwich with much love, with much joy. But you see that the love has to have action, right? And I think there's songs or, you know, statements, love is a verb. It is a verb and it is a noun. But, you know, it should be a verb regularly in our lives, There is action to love. Love must take action. And it must be be genuine, right? These these actions, why, why are these actions important? Because it's showing what's going on in the inside, right? Because we need to see it on the outside. Okay, you could feel it all day long. But unless there's an expression, how do I know? How do I know it? So there has to be an expression. So this woman comes to Jesus and she pours out love onto Jesus. She completely gives her all to loving Jesus. Jesus says, you know, the one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Well, yeah, just, you know, the commandments. Well, you just got to obey the commandments. Yes. Okay. What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. 
Well, let's start with the greatest ones. Love. (laughs) That he who has my commandments and keeps them and walks in this way, I will love him. The one who loves me uh, will be loved by my Father and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. And I love that promise. That when we love Him, by we, we follow His commandments. We love Him with all our heart. We love others. We, we give ourselves to all that He desires for our lives. When we walk in what He desires, that He promises that you will be loved by my Father, and I will love you, and I will show myself to you. I will reveal more and more and more of myself to you. So continue to show yourself. But following the commandments, isn't that an expression then? And it's expression. Jesus Jesus says, I equate these expressions, these things that you do in your life as love. These actions that you take, I receive them. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. I love that you do this. Greatest commandment. Love one another. Love the Father. In, uh, I, wa- I want to kind of go into and, and mention the Welsh revival of 1904 and 1905. There's a, there was a couple revivals, there's more than one revival in Wales, but this one I want to look at happened in, it began in New Quay, and I'm not sure if that's how you say it, Wales, New Quay, Wales. Um, but it began just kind of in a, a, a small town, and really began in the heart of a pastor, and he began to read things of Andrew Murray in prayer, and he began to hear testimonies of D.L. Moody, and really began stirred to, to a deeper walk with Jesus Christ, and wanted to be walking in the fullness of God's Spirit. And he kept crying out for this, and he began to just really be touched by, by the Lord, and the, the working of the Holy Spirit And he began to preach just a little bit differently. And the people in his congregation began to kind of see him a little differently. And in fact, one of the girls that had been going to the church there, and she was a 19-year-old, her name was uh, Flory Evans. Flory Evans, she she got really convicted one night and thought, well, you know, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I don't know Jesus as much as I thought I did. And the pastor, they finish up the church, they finish up the service, the pastor goes back to the house. The next thing he knows is Flory Evans knocking on the door. She says, Pastor, I wanted to see you after church, but you just walked past me. And I, I really needed to talk to you. He's like, okay, okay, so, so come on in. And they began talking. And she said, you know, I, I really need to, to be saved, I think. I, I need to know Jesus more. And the pastor, his name is Joseph Jenkins. He said, well, yeah, yes, you do. You, you, need to, you need to confess him as Lord. She's like, well, I know what you're saying, but I don't want to do that. He's like, I know if I confess him as Lord, that he might ask me to do things that I don't want to do. <laughs> and so he said, well, that can happen. That he may ask you to do things that you don't want to do. But you need to be willing to confess Him as your Savior and Lord. 
He said, so I want you to go home. I want you to go in your room. I want you to talk to Jesus. I want you to surrender your life to him. And I want you to obey any prompting he gives you by his spirit. She's like, okay. So she went home that night. She gives her life to Jesus. She surrenders. She's like, okay, I give you my life, Jesus. Next day, they were having a youth meeting. Youth meeting, there's about 60 youth in this, in this uh, gathering. And Joseph Jenkins, he's talking about, what does Jesus mean to you? One of the boys in the crowd, he says, Jesus, the Savior of the world. He's like, that's good. That's, that's, that's right. But let me put it to you again. What does Jesus mean to you? Quiet. Nothing. Flory Evans all of a sudden just can't sit still any longer, who just been saved. She stands up and she says, I love Jesus with all my heart. With passionate shouting and conviction. She was undone as she confessed her love to Jesus. Got quiet again. All of a sudden, weeping, crying. Just, you begin to hear people falling down on the floor. The Spirit of God just comes upon that group of 60 youth. And they were completely undone. This became the spark of this Welsh revival. (laughs) And what was amazing was that it just changed these, the hearts of these youth and these kids. I'm probably jumping ahead of myself. But they wanted just to keep coming to meetings. And they would gather together in groups. And they would walk to the church. And as they were walking to the church, they would sing. And they would sing hymns as they were going to church. And as they were passing by houses, some of them would run to the house. And they would knock on the doors of all the houses that they were passing. And they were like, come, come, come meet Jesus. And people were like, what are you talking about? But they would come because of the passion of these kids. And that these churches began to be filled with people. And in fact, they were, people would try to climb in windows to get into these churches. <laughs> I don't know about you. Oh, when, when I read things like this, I'm just undone. <laughs> I'm like, yes, God. These were abandoned hearts. And that God is looking for hearts that would just confess. Hearts that would just lay it out there. I don't care. That Lori, uh, Lori, Flory Evans and others would then travel the country. And there was other pastors and preachers that would speak. And uh, there was all kinds of things that were happening all over the country. Uh, 150,000 people were saved in a time span of six months. Now, after Reinhard Bonnke, we all are like, well, yeah, okay, you know. 
Reinhard Bonnke had an incredible ministry, obviously, in, in Africa. But let's not compare. This was an incredible work of God that happened in Wales in the span of six months. The people were coming to Christ all over. And in fact, it spread to America. It spread all over the world. The second thing that I see uh, characteristic is uh, in verse 39, it says that when this happened, when when the woman came and she poured out her love, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him and that she is a sinner. Brings me to the, my second quality of an abandoned heart is, um, is an abandoned heart receives. Or an abandoned heart of love just receives what God does. Something happened to this woman. We just talked about it. I, you know, she was already touched by Jesus. She comes because of such a great love that she had encountered. And it says in Romans 5, Romans 5, 5, and I just love this. You know, hope doesn't disappoint. But God has poured out His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that He has given to us. That God pours His love into us. He poured His love into this woman. And this woman that receives that love from Him. And that then she goes and she, she brings that love to Jesus. She pours it on to Jesus. But what, what I am so interested in here is... What is the Pharisee so angry about? He's angry that Jesus would receive affection, attention, love from this person. How could you receive her, Jesus? And that's the beauty of this, right? That Jesus receives the love. Jesus basks in her love. He knows full well who she is. Oh, that is just gorgeous. This is beautiful. That Jesus would sit there and the Pharisee is throwing shame, vomiting shame, shame, shame on this woman. And then shame on you, Jesus. Shame. And Jesus is just receiving love. I receive, I receive the love, and it reminds me where he went to the cross, despising the shame. I'm not going to give place to the shame. I'm going to receive the love. Jesus just received an invitation from a Pharisee, one that he usually had a lot of problems with. He just received an invitation to come to the Pharisee's house. Right? I mean, Jesus is putting himself in a place of receiving. Jesus himself would receive. That is beautiful. We have a Lord and Savior who receives our love, who receives this broken vessel, who messes up pretty regularly, yet still comes to him and wants to love on him. And Jesus says, Come. Come. I receive it. I receive your love. If you can imagine, think about like the most intelligent, amazing, incredible person on this planet. 
that maybe oh, I really want to meet this person. Oh, I would love to meet them. Now, instead of just getting a selfie with them, hey, yeah, look, look, I got a selfie, you posted on Facebook, you know, I met this person. What if you actually sat down with that person and they, they began to listen to who you are, you began to, to talk together, they began to laugh at your dumb jokes. Sorry, you don't have dumb jokes, I'm sure. I have some dumb dad jokes. But, you know, they begin to fully engage with you. Okay, I, like if, I don't know if you have anybody in your mind. I don't know who it is. I'm not going to judge you. Um, I was thinking of, if I, ever to, if I was ever to meet someone, I would love to have met Abraham Lincoln. And I was just thinking, boy, I would feel horrible to meet Abraham Lincoln because I, I just can't, I, I, I just couldn't keep up with him. You know, I just, with his vocabulary and his intellect, and I was just thinking how incredible it would be to actually have Abraham Lincoln laugh at my joke. (laughs) Or say something like this to me, how very insightful. (laughs) Okay, you hear me, right? That, That there is this, when someone receives who we are, right? Isn't there, it's transformational as I believe. It transforms us. You know, when, so speaking of the most amazing person on the planet, in college, there was a lady named Valerie Blackburn. And she was amazing. She was uh, very talented, uh, athletic, intelligent. uh, And I thought she was just incredible. And I remember... Over a Christmas break, um, you know, I was with my family, and she, we were at the same college, and she went home, you know, and I came back, and I was, my, let's, let's just say my heart was turned towards her. And among our group of friends, you know, I, I didn't begin, to, I, I wasn't seeing her as much as we normally would hang out, and I would see her and bump into her, and I remember just saying to my friends, hey, where is Valerie? Uh, I don't see her around. And one of the guys was saying, oh, she's, she's with some other, she's, she's dating some guy. I, I'm not sure. He's not, even, he's not even at the school anymore. And I was like, what? No way. It's like, how does that work? Anyway, so I, so I started, and, and maybe, okay, fine, you can see me as a horrible person. I started to show uh, focused interest on her. And I began to show, I, I began to write little encouragement notes. We had these little encouragement notes at the college, and you could just put them in a, a, their box. And what did you say? Campus. campus mail. That's what it was. Yeah, campus mail. And so I would, I would put those in pretty regularly, put something in her little ma- mailbox. And, you know, uh, I would just happen just to bump into her after class, and we would chat, and we would walk back to her room. And I, I remember, <laughs> I remember when she, I felt like she was engaging with me, like she was receiving 
my attention. And then I heard she wasn't dating that guy anymore. And I was like, yes! <laughs> but seriously, when, when I knew that she was receiving my affection, my attention, and, you know, my love, when I knew that she was receiving it, that's when my heart began to sing. That's when I was transformed. I was like, whoo, all right, this is on, right? So this is what I see with this, this picture that she pours out her love onto Jesus and Jesus receives her, receives her love. You know that Peter, remember when Jesus was going to show the full extent of his love, it says that, that Jesus got ready to wash Peter's feet. And Peter is like, what, is, what did Peter say, remember? Peter says, no, no, uh, you, you won't wash my feet. And Jesus said, well, unless I wash your feet, uh, you know, I, I have no part with you. You have no part with me. That, that Peter, you have to receive this. And then Peter's like, well, yeah, no, well, then do all of me. He was like, well, no, you're already washed. You have already been washed. I just want you to receive this love act from me. Isn't that interesting how Jesus says, unless you receive this, we don't have any connection here. Oh, how great. John says, oh, how great. First John uh, 3, 1. Oh, how great a love the Father has lavished on us that we should become the children of God. Oh, how great that God has received us as children, is what John is saying. Oh, how great that he receives me. It's so awesome that abandoned love is received from Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The third thing. We see this in verses 40 through 43. Abandoned love is honored. Jesus then turns and he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied in verse 40, say it, teacher. A money lender and two debtors, one owned 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which one of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who has forgiven more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. You know, Jesus gets Simon. Okay, Simon, do you see what I see? You haven't seen what really went on in this interchange. That really what, what I have seen is, is so much more than what you have seen. Why would she act like this? Why would she do this? And that he would say that later, that this was much love. Because she was forgiven much, she loved much. 1 John 4.18 says, But there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. I love that she was just pushing through just the shame of the Pharisees. Pushing through even her own misgivings. And who am I to do this? But she pushed past them all and she went and she loved on Jesus. In this, uh, in this Welsh revival, you know, it was recognized how these youth would, would just respond to 
uh, to the moving of the Spirit. And that's what began the whole thing was Pastor Jenkins saying, you need to move with the goings of the Holy Spirit. And that this is really the hallmark of this revival. And that there's news articles that said, you know, the preaching is all, not all that great. But the most profound and impactful thing was the youth testimonies and them singing and their prayers. And so what's beautiful is that Pastor Jenkins would have these youth go to all of these revivals and share their hearts. And share what God had done. And let the Holy Spirit work in these meetings. One of these meetings, uh, Flory Evans is there. And the pastor is preaching. And it says that while the pastor was preaching, Flory Evans... (laughs) Now remember, he says, do what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. Flory Evans begins singing. Just as I am without one plea. (laughs) She begins singing this revival chorus. The pastor stops and he just lets her sing. She just begins to sing. He honors what is going on. It says that he ended up kneeling down (laughs) and then joining into the song. And it says that by the end of the song, he was just crying and saying, Lamb of God, I come. I come. (laughs) I love that this, this work of God was honored by this pastor. And that he would allow these youth just to be led by the Spirit and pour out the love that they had experienced in Christ. That abandoned love is honored. That Jesus totally honored this this love by really drilling down and trying to get Simon to say, hey, really, what was happening, Simon? You're missing it. The fourth thing is abandoned love is celebrated. In verse 44, it says, Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. Which is just basic custom. I mean, it was just basic etiquette and hospitality. I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. She's been giving all of my, all of, all attention to my welfare and who I am and you gave me no kiss but she since the time I came in has not ceased to kiss my feet you did not anoint my head with oil but she has anointed my feet with perfume the highest place on me you didn't even think of and the lowest part of me she could not honor enough I love that he says, and then he finishes up, For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. He explains it and he points it and brings it all back into she's loved much. This is a definition of it. Right here, Simon. This is what it looks like. This is how it is. (laughs) I love that Jesus 
brags on how he was loved. And in fact, did you see this? It says, he turned toward the woman and said to Simon. So he's looking at the woman, but he's talking to Simon. He's doting on what she, was, she had done. He's bragging on her. He's like, boy, did you see what she did? Did you see how she poured out her love? Did you see how she was wiping my feet? She was crying over my feet. She was anointing me. Did you see the beauty in that? Jesus was bragging on her that this abandoned love is celebrated by Christ. It's celebrated in the heavens. You know, that when Jesus says, when he's talking about the end of days and the sheep and the goats and separating the two, and he's saying, well, you know, when you loved on these, you weren't just loving on these, you were loving on me. And he's saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That this is the celebration of the Lord in abandoned love. When you pour your love out, I celebrate it. I brag on you. I brag on that love. Oh God, let me be braggable in the heavens. Please, oh God. Let me pour out my love like this. That you would be proud to, to talk about how, you had, how I had poured myself out. Paul says, Paul says, even if I was poured out like a drink offering. What is he saying? Even if I just made a If I was being poured out, it was worth it. Because it reflects who you are, God. Because you are a God who pours out your love towards us. She loved much. I love that Jesus would say that. She loved much. The fifth thing. Abandoned love is rewarded. (laughs) And verse 49 says, those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man, even who forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love this. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has sozoed you. Sozo, saved, healed, delivered, rescued from danger and being put in a place where you are safe and sound. That's sozo. You are Safe and sound. You are rescued and you are safe now. That this, this place now is you have, you have in me. You are right with me and you are right in me. And go in peace. The word peace is not shalom here. It's arene. And the root of this word means to tie together. It's to mean to bring into wholeness. That you joined all the parts together when all the essential parts are joined together rightly. Complete wholeness. He's saying to her, your place, you are safe in me and your identity is in me. You have wholeness here. I want you to stay in this place of 
safety and love and acceptance. Jesus says to us, and, and this is what I hear her, him saying to her, you know, Jesus is saying, your place is in me, your safe place is in me, and your wholeness is in me. But then I believe that we even say that back to Jesus. Jesus, your place is in me. And your wholeness is in me. And that the identity that Jesus gives to this woman is just completeness and wholeness and right identity and being in him and being in his love. But what is amazing to me is this. So in this passage... And there are other passages of Jesus being anointed, but that was Mary of Bethany, and that is not this woman. And this passage, others would say, well, this is Mary Magdalene. That's not what Scripture says, and that was just an ancient father, church father that said, oh, I think that that was Mary Magdalene. But there was really no basis for this, and I don't see it really here. Could it, could it be? Well, possibly. Anyway. But what is amazing here is we don't have any name given, right? There's no name given to this woman. But we, what we see is the truest sense of her identity. That she took on the identity of a lover of Jesus. Living in love with Jesus. That that is who I am. That I will live that identity. And that that is what would truly describe who she was. Greater than any other name even could define her as. That she was a lover of Jesus. And that was her identity. And Jesus says, yes, you have that identity in me now. (laughs) Oh God. Let it be said of my love for you that it identifies me. That, you know, when Moses, when Moses was in the wilderness and God was saying, okay, Moses, you're just going to go with these people and, you know, I'm going to lay hands off. And Moses said, oh, God, you have to go with us. Your presence must go with us. That how else are we identified on this planet that this is... You are our God. We are identifying ourselves with you. Lord, let us be identified in this love. That we would live from this love. Another preacher, Evan Roberts, um, got saved and he was a coal miner in the Welsh Revival. He was a 26-year-old and he began to preach all around Wales. And he began to really just... Hone in on the love of Jesus. And really, it says that he really wasn't a very good preacher. He just talks about the love of Jesus and the love of God. Written of him in the newspapers, it says, Robert talks chiefly of God's love and the great joy of living in obedience to that love. He says of one of his encounters, I felt a living power pervading my chest. It took my breath away and my legs trembled exceedingly. This living power became stronger and stronger as each one prayed. And until I felt it would tear me apart, I fell on my knees with my arms over the seat in front of me. My face was bathed in perspiration and the tears flowed in streams. I cried out, bend me, bend me. It was God's commending Pouring love that bent me. 
What a wave of peace flooded my chest. This was his encounter with the love of God. These effects were so powerful that, that people just began just erupting. I'm in love with Jesus. I love this revival because it was this, this confession of love. I love Jesus, and I'm not afraid to say it. Roberts was quoted as saying, What we need is a fresh vision of the cross, and may that mighty, all-embracing love of His be no longer a waving influence, a wavering influence in our lives, but the ruling passion of our souls. Lord, give us abandoned hearts. Living in love with Jesus. Lord, let that be a, a characteristic, a hallmark, the identity of my life. He lived loving Jesus. Lord God, have your way in us. Lord, let your love just undo us again. I'm going to ask the, men, the, uh, sorry, the worship team to come forward. And I want to just sing these two songs and let's just worship the Lord just for a moment I feel that it's one of the best ways that we just connect with the love of God it said in this revival that it was just there was so much singing that was happening and there was so many workings of God's spirit that would come just as they would sing sing from their hearts to the Lord so I want to sing these songs, and uh, one of them is, is Reckless Love. You know what a synonym of reckless is? Abandon. That our God abandoned Himself. He poured everything out to us. And that when we come back to Him with the love that He poured back into us, we can't help but do the same thing. Holding nothing back. Holding nothing back, uninhibited, unrestrained. I, I love these words. Lord, let this be the heart of your church, that we truly would be unrestrained in these days. And where, where evil has come, where, where terror has had its way, Father God, let us meet these places with an abandoned love for your glory. That you change shame into glory. You did it for this woman. You do it for each one of us. So Lord, we come today. Lamb of God, we come to you again. Would you just embrace the Lord as we come together? Father God, I just thank you. We just ask for a fresh baptism. A fresh a fresh filling of your love to undo us, O oh God. To have its way in the deepest places within us. Deep cries to deep. These deep places within us. Lord, only you know. Lord, even these deep places that have been so broken and so hurting and so wounded. Lord, you are the only one that can reach these places. Lord, we want our identity to be your love. Lord, and so we come. We come, oh God.